Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 25. <laughs> 25? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am John Flurry. And I'm Christopher Wade. Wow, we're at 25 already. Feels good. Yeah, only took us a year and a half, or not even oh, a year, four months. Because, a year and a half. You know, it's, I'm kind of embarrassed because when we when I first submitted us to like iTunes and all these other like platforms that I'm about to say, I said a weekly podcast, but it, it didn't take it didn't take too long for us to realize weekly podcasts are hard balls to pull off. Life, uh, life, life we, happens, dude. So we're right. aiming for biweekly, to be honest, and. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of listening platforms, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and I think just most apps and sites that that go to like general syndicated podcast directories. Like I use the uh, third party app Downcast on iOS and have us on there. And if you want to follow us on social media, we'll often get bonus material. You can you can send us uh, messages and feedback, and you can even sometimes get announcements of our next topics before you hear it on the show. Uh, yes. Go to facebook.com slash sketchwatchplay, probably our most popular one, but also uh, on Twitter, at sketchwatchplay. And you can email us directly for feedback, comments, or even topic suggestions um, at sketchwatchplay at gmail.com. Sounds good. Yep. So how have you been lately? I've been all right. been super busy, but I can't complain too much. I Yeah, I, I guess I'd be the same way. Though actually, the funny thing... Um, I mean, I mentioned in the past that I, I I have had a depression at certain points, and I actually texted you on Facebook the other day just feeling down, just not knowing what to talk about, but you had seen a uh, Twitter mention I sent you away that I just bought Mario Rabbids, and so we talked about Mario Rabbids for a little while. So yeah. thank you, Rabbids. Yeah, thank you, Rabbids. And what a funny thing, because believe it or not, I'm going to find a way to connect them to our main topic. Oh, boy. Okay. It'll I'm, make sense. It won't make you happy, but it'll make sense. I'm, I'm ready for this, I think. Yay. Don't worry. We won't make it another rabbit-centric uh, segment. Because uh, cool. really, I think the main thing we I picked is something I now know we both hold very dearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have two other things to talk about uh, before that. And the first, uh, this was the thing you wanted to suggest. And this is more. This is going to be something that's a bit more speculation because we have very little to go off of. So the latest Nintendo Direct happened recently, and... As they often do, they ended it with a bombshell. Uh, Smash Brothers for Switch this year. Yeah, this this year. Oh I, man, I forgot about that. It's crazy when you think about it because I am so used to you know every Smash except the NC4 original. They announce it way in advance. Like yeah. I feel like Brawl came out like almost two years after its original announcement. So the idea and, and that's part of the fun is just that that build of excitement, that gradual trickle of like character drops and announcements. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they handle the hype if they're and it wouldn't surprise me if they delay it to early next year because that happened with brawl yeah um, but still i guess i'm i guess we're to assume that they got to work on this immediately after finishing the last one uh, yeah apparently like uh sakurai has been working on it for yeah for tweeted. a good couple of years it seems which makes me wonder like how i'm you did you read about how hard the the development cycle was for him personally last time? Yeah, like he developed like some pain in his in his hand in his, or something in his like wrist from like all yeah. this computer and artwork, and he pretty much said like I don't think I could do another one of these and be healthy. So it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out he's like sharing director duties this time, or maybe taking like more of an overseer role like Miyamoto does nowadays. Yeah, I, I feel like I they mean, have enough material at this point to give it to another director and still be confident. Yeah, I think so too. Like, I mean, judging from the amount of talent they've been raising for the past couple of years. Yeah. Oh, Bandai Namco helped them with uh, the last one. That's why Pac-Man yeah. was in. Yeah, and I think they're. I think they'll they'll do really well on this one. Yeah, and it's also just so interesting the way they announced. Like, 
so cryptic by the series standards. Like we know, yeah. here's all we know. Uh, Link is almost certainly going to have his Breath of the Wild outfit. He was in mm-hmm. silhouette, but no hood, blue shirt. So yeah. And Mario's confirmed, obviously. And I think people point out in the silhouettes, you could see familiar silhouettes like Samus and DK and Bowser. Uh, mm-hmm. And we have our first, I assume our first confirmed ones. And it's not, not, not surprising at all. We're finally getting Inklings. Yeah. Yeah, they are now uh, the Nintendo standard at this I, point. I was hoping they were they, they came out early enough to be Wii U DLC, but maybe decided to hold off a bit. Mm-hmm. So I think this leads into the big thing everybody always starts talking about when New Smash is announced. Who do you think and who do you want to be newcomers oh, in this? Have you, do you have a list? Uh, I totally have a list. So Let's hear it. I think at this point, like, I've been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 so much. Oh, yep. Like... The, like I think the Xenoblade series is now like the uh, is now like the uh, the official you know R- JRPG Final Fantasy. Yes, it's totally even Final Fan- it even takes the format of how every game is like a basically its own continuity, but with little recurring touches and like character races. Yeah, and since you know the Xeno- uh, since well, the last uh, Smash Brothers had a Xenoblade character, Shulk. I wouldn't be surprised if Rex and Pyra from Xenoblade Chronicles Two yeah. happened to show up. Yeah, and I'm interested in that because. Part of the one of the the gimmicks in in that game is about the you know the connection between the driver the the hero and the blade their living weapon. So I'm wondering yeah. if we would get some sort of if like if Pyra would be like a Luma or an Ice Climber. Like oh, would man, you have to no. take her into consideration as well? Because that's part of the game is the farther away they are from you, the weaker you are. Yeah, maybe that'd you'd be- have to keep tabs on her. I honestly think that'd be. I, I honestly think that's going to happen. Like there there's. Xenoblade is now such an official tie to Nintendo, mm-hmm. and sword sword wielding characters are so strong, so obnoxiously strong in Smash Brothers. I like, like I, I like the sword wielding guys. I'm big yeah. in them and the heavies like Bowser. Yeah, I, I I I would be surprised if they don't show up at all. Yeah, um, and I have some list. Actually, another I, I'm I'm guessing before we see them, the Inklings are going to be very projectile driven. Just that's mm-hmm. just their nature. Yeah, uh, though I'm sure you've played Splatoon, right? Yeah, I played a little bit. I'll of bet you the uh, paint roller could be a close-up attack. Yeah, that'd be really sweet. Actually, yeah, short range but pretty devastating. Uh, and I'll, I'll bet how how awesome would it be if you could incorporate into the terrain, like splash the ground, then like swim through it. Oh, that'd be sweet. Like yeah, that'd be so yeah. fucking awesome. I'm, if they did that. I'm guessing like to balance that out, they'll probably be very light because they're not very mm. big, but they'll be good yeah. at being stealthy um, and probably fast too. Uh, yeah, definitely very fast. And another like new Nintendo series that I'm, I'm I feel has to be given. I think we're going to see at least one arms character. Oh, that's already a fighting game. Springman and Spring Girl. Ribbon Girl. Yeah, yeah, a Ribbon Girl. Yeah, I, yeah, they're definitely going to be in there. I'm. That's that's not even. Yeah, That's I wasn't even that big on the game, but I love the characters, so I'd be up for for having some representation there. Uh, yeah. But I was, I was also looking at uh, patterns for newcomers, and I feel like just because of how they've done it, we have to get at least one new Mario newcomer. But I feel like we're running out of really obvious ones. So yeah. I, my guesses were maybe you could incorporate Cappy into Mario or get like an alternate version of him. Or maybe finally get Paper Mario because he has different moves like the hammer. Yeah. Uh, or, hey, maybe even Pauline somehow. I think um, I honestly think that Cappy is going to be incorporated into Mario this time around. And you could replace would, Flood, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, Flood. I mean, a lot of people don't like Flood. I but don't. I'm, I prefer the tornado move. Yeah, but it, what it seems like is that I mean, a lot of people in the competitive Smash community they at least acknowledge the fact that Flood is actually really handy. At, if you know how to use them, I yeah, don't really. Yeah. Yeah. If you know how to use Flood, he can give you some serious distance between opponents and even keep them 
from jumping back onto the um, onto the platform. Yeah, the Smash moves are all about like deflecting counters. I've never been my thing. I'm more about brute force. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, the Rex and Pyra, I think, are going to going to show up. I, and I one other to... one other thing I noted, another tradition, they often have a, have at least one new Pokemon, which makes me think we're going to get someone from Sun and Moon. Oh, I think that the Ghost Owl. Um, do a yes, dicey. I wrote Rowlet and Litten's final forms seem really suited for it. One's very yeah. stealthy and one's a huge brawler. Yeah, and plus since like Charizard is already a fire type, and um, we already did water last time. Yeah, uh-huh. Greninja could still come back, and yeah. Ivysaur's gone, so yeah, he was a plant type. Yeah, but um, besides that, I, I kind of think Crash Bandicoot's going to make an appearance, honestly. Man, yeah, I... I He is coming to Switch. You know, it's, yep. it's, it is not... not out of the realm, possibly. Oh, did you see the uh, Xbox tweets the other day? I did. Somebody I saw tweeted that the... to the head of the Xbox, like they basically front up, straight up asked if Nintendo asked, would you be willing to let Banjo and Kazooie be in Smash? And he said yes. Yeah, I would be. That would make me so happy. The, yes. The only, oh man, that or conquer. But I, I don't see either happening. But we can dream. Yeah, I think contractually it'll be a nightmare for Nintendo because obviously they have to give. Yeah, well, obviously they, Nintendo would have to pay like Microsoft dividends to like uh, their. Yeah, their I mean, I mean, Nintendo it would probably hurt their pride to have to acknowledge Rare. Uh, yeah, well, just shame. Yeah, yeah, to to some degree. I mean, let's see, Viva Pinata actually appeared on the 3DS. DS, it got a DS game, and there were some GBA uh, games too, with like Banjo and such. Yeah, uh, I think THQ published those, so I don't know. I guess it's possible. Yeah, yeah, it is possible. I just don't. It's really good to just come down to how both companies feel and are willing to do. Yeah, because well, it's going to have, have to be Nintendo's call. Cause they're probably going to be the ones to. I think the only exception is the only reason Snake was in Brawl was because Sakurai is friends with Kojima and Kojima. Ben. Yeah, yeah, that's um, and, and that's perfectly fine. What about yeah. you? you so I wrote, um, but actually, I did make a little list of the ones I would like to see the most. I even though some of them are long shots. My biggest one for a while that I feel could still happen because. Uh, especially with Tropical Freeze, is Dixie Kong. Dixie Kong, okay. Like, I don't think you can do much representation for DK in terms of like really iconic characters, uh, other than maybe Cranky as well. But Tropical Freeze was awesome, and a lot of people like me who played the Super NES games had great memories of... Because Dixie was like the Super NES version of Tails with the gliding yeah. ponytail. Um, even if she was a clone of Diddy, I just, I just want... You know, you know me, I love D- uh, DK, so I just love some more characters there. Uh, mm. Another one that I hear a lot that I think would be cool, Gino from Mario RPG... Oh, God, I wish that would happen. He got a me costume in Wii U, so they're aware of the demand. Yeah, so, they, who knows? they definitely are. I would so love that, but I wouldn't... I, I'm, I'm not, not counting on it. Uh, okay, another thing. If we want more Zelda characters, maybe one of the like supporting champions from Breath of the Wild. Oh, that'd like, be cool, yeah. Goron, Sexy Shark Man, those the guys. Sexy Shark Man, I, I, would, I, would to- I can totally see Sexy yes, Shark Man. Yes, he would be my pick. I don't want the bird guy, though, because like I said, he's too Falco-looking. He, he is very Falco looking, and I'm not sure he's that likable. <laughs> so, I actually never got to his part. I only I only got halfway through Beth the Wild, but uh, I'll yeah. finish it someday. Last thing, uh, not going to happen, but I would love any WarioWare character because you know me. Uh, yeah. Maybe another Sis Trophy because we got a, they I, added uh, Ashley in Wii U. I can actually see another uh, Smash, um, uh, uh, another WarioWare. Well, we are getting WarioWare Gold this summer. First new one in ages. Oh, nice. Maybe depending on. Actually, no. I feel like by the time that comes out, they'll be they'll have the character roster locked. But who knows? We'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. And finally, I I've had two most wanted third party characters for a while, and I'll get out of the way. If either Sonic or Mega Man come back, 
I think a lot of they have a lot of supporting characters they could use. Like for Sonic, I, I mainly just want the classic trilogy, so him, Tails, and Knuckles. Yeah. Um, in Mega Man's case, I would love either Proto Man or Base. Okay. Like they can even lo- be like clones of them in some part. Like basically, he's a little slower, or Proto Man can deflect. But you know, uh, Mega Man's a fun series, big following, and it's finally coming back this year. Yeah. Uh, and I will say one I wanted back in the day, but I feel like the opportunity has passed. Professor Layton, I would have loved to have him in. Um, Professor Layton. Yeah, he's not a he's not a fighter, awesome. but he's a very resourceful guy, very MacGyverish. So I could see them incorporating mm-hmm. that. Uh, but my two most wanted uh, third party characters that I still think are feasible: uh, one, Rayman. Uh, Rayman. Do you remember that they get, they, they made they, a trophy for him? Yeah, I do. Him, Glowbox, yeah. and Barbara. Ubisoft made three D trophies for the game to use. So mm-hmm. there could be some interest there. And uh, I will say, I would love the Rabbits to be an assist trophy if he gets in. But if they were playable and he was not, then I'll be as pissed as you for once. Yes, yes. That would the be... other one, the other one that I still feel because has a good shot because of the inclusion of Cloud last time, Sora. Oh, Sora. He's that been in more would... Nintendo games and PlayStation games when you think about that it. That would blow people's mind, actually. It would blow, yes, it would blow my mind. I, he's, so, he's perfectly suited for it. That whole game yeah. is fight and flashy and man. Yeah. And, and what better way to, to add more height for Kingdom Hearts 3? And he's done a crossover fighter before. He was in uh, Dewey Dyson, whatever the fuck that Dissidia game. He was in Dissidia? Yeah. He was I know secret. he was in World of Final Fantasy recently. I think I think he's a secret character in Dissidia, but he's oh. definitely there. I'll have to look it up. The only thing is, I know that I remember reading Disney has partial ownership of the original Kingdom Hearts characters, so they'd have to. It would be that would have to be an additional uh, go ahead to get. But I'm sure they yeah. they probably wouldn't mind that much. Though you know, for a while I thought I was stupid, but if we see Goku at this point, I'll be like, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my only issue is it's not a video game character. Well, this is true, and uh, but the thing is that Goku already had like a uh, already had like his Dragon Ball Fighters game come out, and a billion games before that, and a billion games before that. I honestly wouldn't mind Goku, but I just I want I obviously want Banjo and Rayman to have their time first. Like Goku's yeah. a cool character, but he's already a multimedia property. Let's let's get some other characters a chance. Yeah, Banjo is pretty much dead, and Rayman he's taking a break at least. Uh, he, did I tell you about? Did you see uh, Michelle Ancel's? He made an Instagram post the other day. It's certainly not confirmation, but you know. So right now he's working on Beyond Good and Evil Two and this other game called Wild. But he yeah. basically said up front, like, when I have some more free time and one of these projects is done, I'm going to see if I can get another 3D Rayman game made. Like the Great. big thing that was Rayman fans have been wanting to, uh, for over a decade. Yeah, I would love to see that. I mean, Origins Legends were fucking amazing. Oh, we talked about it. they're fantastic, but I, yeah. I, I, I feel like he kind of perfected that formula with Legends, and I missed like the atmosphere and and variety of, and the aspects that two and three brought when they went three D. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm still bitter that Rabbit was originally going to be a, th- a platformer. Yeah. So I, st- I still would appreciate like a like a proper story. Mode yeah. Too. I'll bet if Ansel came along, he would probably bring some of those abandoned ideas and but above that i just want to see him take advantage of modern technology like i've, I've been replaying rayman 3 and hg man and a new thing like that would look fucking gorgeous because the art direction in that series is so wonderful i'm also going to like geek out a little bit and say that seeing undertale show up on the switch yeah that like i would so love uh sans and papyrus or even undyne show up in smash i would that not would be, be against that yeah. yeah oh and flowey could be an assist trophy Oh, Flowey could be an assist trophy. Yeah, that would be that would be cool as shit. Yeah. So we should move on, but I will say, if there's any other one thing, like what is like a new type of feature you'd love to see? And actually, know that we both now because I saw your tweet, uh, we would both like the return of some sort of story campaign mode. Yeah, 
the subspace emissary was so good. Yeah, I like it, but hate it. I do not. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not one of the people who hate. It. I, I, Same. I mean, seeing those cutscenes and just rolling through like a proper like you know. Yeah, even though mode, there was no dialogue, it was just so much fun. Yeah, like it, seeing like Star Fox interact with Diddy Kong. Yes. And, Funny as shit. <laughs> like, okay. Like each like, calming down a dispute with T. Yeah, it was super fun. I, I, I really yeah. hope people. I, I would love, lo- yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I, I wish they took more narrative potential, like, uh, advantage of the fact that you have all these guys in one game. Yeah, I, I, I think, I'm, I think the reason that they haven't is because, you know, there's obviously like, a lot of they have to do like a lot of building and physics um and physics programming for like you know the 2d stages mm-hmm. when characters are running back and forth and you know trying to dodge enemies and fight enemies on different kinds of platforms yeah I, that can get kind of tricky making sure um, it works for all characters yeah but at the same time it's like i think at this point you guys can totally do it yeah we'll, we'll, we'll i feel like we'll see before too long because I've, i'm sure this is going to be their big game at e3 in a few months yeah if it's coming out this I mean, year i don't know how it couldn't be yeah, that's that's the uh, 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 seeing. Yeah, well, that's not, it's not even the rub. It's like Smash Brothers has always been the cro- the biggest, most ambitious crossover event in in history. Did I ever tell so, you see- I went to uh, E three twenty fourteen? Oh yeah, yeah. You told, you told me that was that was the year it was coming out. So I got to I got to play it before it came out. But I also they let me go to a closed door conference, and that's where they first announced Pac Man. Oh wow, that's sweet. Uh, and showcase like live like Smash Run and like custom moves and stuff. We we actually got to see Sakurai on stage talk about all this stuff. It was pretty cool. Super. Yep. So that's that's probably it for Smash. That's it for Smash Brothers for now because you can bet. I actually I was I noted I had ne- literally never talked to you about Smash Brothers before, so I did not know how into it you were or not. Mm-hmm. Even though you own several Nintendo consoles. Yeah, I I had I did have Smash Four, mm-hmm. but quite honestly, I didn't play it very often. But did you enjoy it at least? Oh yeah, I totally enjoyed it. Yeah, just, the only one know. I never owned was actually the original. Uh, okay. Simply, simply, be- I rented it all the time and played it at friends. But really, it just came down to in my NES. I mean, no, my Super NES and NXT four days. I didn't have a job, so I basically had to count on birthdays or Christmas to get a game to keep. Outside of saving up allowance for like Game Boy games. Yeah. So yeah. Smash Brothers launched uh, not during a birthday, and by the time Christmas came around, I was all about. I don't remember. Oh, oh, Christmas 99, that was DK64. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, personal story over. Actually, I'll have, I'll have another one for the next one we're going to talk about. Here's my little thing that, my opening that I want to talk about, because uh, now I know you've watched it as well, and it's certainly beginning, I guess, I guess we're a bit late to the party because it came out in January, but fuck it, I want to talk about it, and it's probably going to be the last time we talk about it. We've both watched Devil Man Cry Baby. You're a man who possesses both the body of a devil as well as the heart of a human. Devil Man. We'll uncover crimes committed by devils who are now hiding as humans. Yeah, yeah, we did. And that is an That's experience. Something. That is yeah. an experience. And you, and you know what? I, I I do have a few thoughts about it, mm-hmm. but let's, I, I, now we can say them. But I'm going to say let's hold off on major spoilers because I honestly will probably pick it for a topic someday. Sure, sure. Uh, I can say that uh, that of all the things that I did not like about Devilman Crybaby, I do not like the art. And that's... I, I that's, wish it looked more detailed, yeah. Well, there's that. I wish it, it was a little less spindly and a little less wild. I, I, I wish it was rendered with a little bit more polish. And I know there's the, some scenes where there's groups of demons that just look like scribbles. I was like, what, what the fuck is yeah. this? Yeah, it, that doesn't play well with me. 
personally. I know that's the direct. I, I know that's how the director goes um, goes about his projects. Yeah, and, you did like mind game and ping pong and a bunch and of ping other. Pong. Yeah, yeah, stuff. and and that's and that's all well and good. It didn't it didn't jive with me very well. I got However, used to it eventually. Yeah, yeah. In certain episodes, when he started to get going, and I was kind of. I was kind of off and on on the story in the beginning. The yep. the first the first the first opening scene had me like there was there was no I was like oh good religious in it. The stuff at the club that ends the first episode. Yeah, or, 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 or even even before the club, like when when Satan is being like cast from heaven and thrown into earth, and like he yeah, and um and like uh and then afterwards, let's see, uh, Akira meets his friend for the first time Rio? yeah yeah i like they meet each other like they meet each other for the first time like that whole sequence is amazing and i love that to death yeah but it's basically a pretty faithful adaptation because it this are you familiar with any previous versions of this because devil man started as like a manga in like the 60s or 70s i do um, i do know that much um i didn't really pay much attention to I have a funny little story there. So, because yeah, yeah, I'm still not really that familiar, but um, it was made by it was written by a guy called Go Nagai, who apparently is pretty iconic over there because he did that that show Shing Mazinger, Cutie Honey, which is I think that's also getting a remake this year. Uh, so mm-hmm. my exposure to him, I haven't read the manga, but I tried watching Re Cutie Honey, which has some awesome art direction, but you know me and fan service, and it it went overboard there. Mm-hmm. And have you heard of Violence Jack? violence check that's a new one okay don't watch it don't watch it. it's it's i don't know if the manga is any good but the ova is notorious for just violence and horrible things just for the sake of it like it's not clever uh-huh. it's not engaging it's hey we're gonna have a bunch of people cut a kid's head off and then we're gonna watch like a dozen guys rape a dozen women for like two minutes you know what that's actually how i kind of felt with devil man when i first saw it like okay beforehand I, I kept hearing like a lot of kids were just like a lot of kids watching it on Netflix were like, this is satanic. And this is, this is gross. Don't it is not for everybody. I actually, um, on generation animation discord, uh, Bianca and the co-host just came on and said, don't watch double man. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I watched it. And that first episode happened. Honestly, I, I grew up with ended and ended Evangelion. I sat through the, the, the worst times of berserk. And then I saw like the party scene at Devil Man, and I was like, "You guys could have done better than that." <laughs> I was oh, like, I was, I was, that made me go, "I'm in." Um, <laughs> I mean, it was it, it was neat, it was cool, but I was actually kind of underwhelmed. <laughs> so, so I will say the one th- uh, thing in Devil Man that I've seen parts of because there was a '70s TV show that was way toned down, including a happy ending, and then but there were also a bunch of OVAs that directly adapted key moments, and the first one adapts that party. But it's in much okay. more detailed, like '80s style. So maybe you should check that part out. I think I will. There were things about the see the, the OVA that you mentioned. Actually, I actually found the uh, the the opening sequence. Oh, that's right. You tweeted about it. I did. I love that sequence. Yeah, like, it's trippy as hell, but it's mesmerizing. Yeah, it's very mesmerizing. And there's like just like the the, the crybaby opening. There's no narration. You have to figure it out for yourself. It doesn't exactly like hold your hand, but it's less abstract. It I mean, might also, in the case of Japan, they're probably very familiar with the story by this point. Yeah, and you know what? I kind of dug the beauty of the first OVA. Yeah, it's still and creepy and gory. We have moth women with boobs being bisected by big dinosaurs, but yeah, I'm like, holy 
shit, this is great. <laughs> it's it's pretty violent, but also like I'm I'm kind of down. Okay, for seriously, this. look up that first OVA and skip to the party part. I think I will. I'll do that a little later, though. You were so you were saying early on this show wasn't grabbing you, but without getting into spoilers, about halfway through something happens. And yeah, everything the, changes. Honestly, like the story takes a major turn by the time the and in a good way, in, in in a very good way. I, I have to say, like there are a couple parts that had my interest in the first, say three or four episodes, and yeah. it, but it didn't really. Didn't really I believe it's episode six where the the game changer happens. Yeah, the game changes uh, happen, and now like every like the rules of the world have technically been turned on their head and Completely. humanity has to kind of get used to these new rules that are laid before them and you see the chaos that causes yeah the paranoia the violence it's really messed up but by that point like me and serena were watching and serena wasn't feeling it at that point point mm-hmm. either my wife and by that episode we were like yeah maybe they should have led with this episode because this is pretty fucking cool. Well, the importance of that opening half is to get you invested in the characters. Because, oh, sure. yeah, again, we're not going to spoil anything, but you're going to feel. I'll admit, I had actually, I was aware of because years before this came out, I read about people complaining about this is the first show to 100 percent adapt the manga's ending, mm-hmm. and the others, like in the case of the original show, they did a generic happy ending because they probably couldn't get away with it with broadcast standards, yeah. and the OVA. I think that series was canceled before it reached the finale, but it looked like they were going to get there. And then everything else, I yeah. think, has not. And so every, when I first heard they were doing this, I was really curious, like, are they going to go there? And yes, they completely do, and it is brutal. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. You're not it's, – it's, it's sad, but it's like this was the right way to go. Because it fits. It kind of yeah. makes sense about – like even realistically today, you, feel, you kind of feel like – I. Yeah, it makes sense that it would end up this way, as bleak as it is. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that aspect of the original manga was certainly you can certainly get an allegorical sense of it here. There was I forget who, who tweeted this. The, one of the things that I like about hell anime in general is the way that they kind of use like religious subtext and religious imagery as sort of like as sort of like this crazy allegory. For yeah, I barely got the religious aspect of this. Um, they do eventually touch on the existence of God and his involvement in this, but it's very minimal. Yeah, it's it it, it, it like, is a lot. The demons and in this, you don't even get the sense that it's like they're literal. They're like from hell. It's just like they're this primordial force. Yeah. So, so you mentioned Satan. Satan is a part, but I will not say how. Yeah. So there is. Let's see. There is a user on Twitter by the name of Art Eater, mm-hmm. and he created this long thread. That basically summarized his thoughts on Devilman Crybaby, but also he also allowed him to dissect the use of symbolism mm-hmm. and how it works for Devilman Crybaby. And when I read that, I was like, "This is exactly how I feel about this show." And yeah. when I when I saw some some of the things that I actually missed, I was like, "I need to go back and watch this." Because for all the over the top violence and sex, like the, there's even like brief rape and stuff in this. This is. I ultimately feel it ends up being a show with a lot of substance to it. Yeah. Um, and, like, I will... Oh, just some other things I wrote here. Look, okay, so the second to last episode was even knowing the fates of certain characters because I read the spoilers. That was the most roller coaster rise I've ever had with an anime episode. <laughs> like, it's just... By the time it ends... I think that even the creators knew, like, that's the only episode that has, like, a unique credit song. 
Yeah. That in this long, very peaceful acoustic thing. And I'm sure that was their like that was intentional choice to let viewers digest and cope with everything they'd just seen. Yeah. And the visual for it makes it even sadder because more it's like a what could have been thing. Yeah, it, it, it really is. It's it's really by by the second to the last episode it gets <laughs> really kind of rough. It's it's bad times. Yeah. And I will say, because this, this show is only 10 episodes long, I, th- I thought the finale was great, but it felt a little rushed. I feel like it would have worked better as two episodes, because it kind of divided into two halves, which is these final reveals set everything up, and then the battle is the last half. And yeah, I would have loved more of both, really. That's that's one thing I I, I was not... That's, that's one thing I got to give a... I really got to talk about the animation in that regard, because mm-hmm. the... That kind of that style of animation, which is really popular and you know really ambitious, and it's part of what the director does. Personally, it does not it, it does not suit me, and because of that, I think it kind of hurt the final episode in that regard because a lot of things happen all at once. I still love <laughs> how over the top and and just vivid it got, but I still again yeah I would, would like more detail. Yeah, would I would make it, I would, would like it make what happened second. felt even more grand. Yeah, I would like for a second just to give me a little bit of breathing room. Like I know that there's a lot of fast-paced action and this this whole fight like it's a giant fight. Like I'm not even playing around just how big it is. It is literally but, globes globe spanning. Yeah, but I would still I would have still liked just just a few breathers at some point just to get to uh, just so I can just so I can get my bearings on what is happening and and have a sense of why and how it's yeah. happening. Um, that's it. that's it. I mean, I kinda, that said, they still wrap everything up pretty much. If, yeah, if you're if you're okay with you know crazy amounts of gore and you know lots of you know thumb nosing to uh, um uh, to cutesy poo you know religious standards that we kind of know and love. I didn't I, get this vibe that it was anti-religion. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, it doesn't feel like that's it's that's much a part of it. But I feel like it the it the the story ends up functioning as an allegory for. You could apply it to a lot of things. It's kind of about the dangers of generalization and paranoia, ultimately. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. That's something that's, that still is relevant today as it was back in the '60s or whenever. So you know what? Yeah, I, I, I have to recommend Devil Man Cry Baby if you're able to handle a large load of violence and blood yeah, and gold yeah. and all that. If, Look, that's if your- you can, if you get to the first end of the first episode and are like, throw more at me, then go for it. But also. Yeah. It's going. It gets a lot heavier, and it gradually shifts to being less just amazingly entertaining violence. And to if you get invested, it'll hit you. Like I was, I'm not gonna lie. A couple of days after I finished it, not only was I thinking about, it, I had nightmares about where that oh, show wow. went. Yeah, I can't remember the specifics, but I think it was like I guess the idea was that I was involved in all that shit going down the, on the worldwide scale, and like what a horrible thing to think about. There were times when I was like, eh, I'm not really quite feeling the show, but once it was done, I, I, I was still thinking about it. Like I didn't. It's, you're going to be exactly, pondering I, a lot of stuff that, and I, I can only imagine like casual anime viewers on Netflix who have no idea where this series goes. They won't be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man, I, I can't say without. I can't go into details without spoiling. But the last scene with the parents and little brother. Oh yeah, that's, oh my that was god, something. that was something. That what was a situation. Yeah, that, that was doubly painful for me. You know, like, you know, part of, of uh, some of my phobias. So I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is not good. I actually don't know what phobia you're referring to in this case. Oh, okay. I'll tell you after this. I'll well, tell you after Yeah, someday I will pick this show for a topic, for a main topic, so we can go into spoilers and such. But right. uh, we are actually at the point where we should uh, – do you have anything else you want to say about Devilman? 
No, watch it. Watch it if you can handle it. Yes. Cool. If you can handle the first episode, watch it all the way through. It's one of my favorite things I've seen in years, honestly. I highly recommend it. Uh, but I will save and render now because we're about to talk about an anime we would recommend even more, I think. Mm-hmm. My father took that picture from an airship. He loved to fly. It's Laputa, a floating island. An island that floats in the sky? Yep. Most people think it's just a legend, but my dad actually saw it. So, this is going to be another one where I think it's not. It's also, this is cool. Like, it's going to be something that to me is on the same level as something like Iron Giant in terms of like it's probably my favorite anime movie that I've seen. But here's the thing. Now, also, some uh, long-term viewers might remember I brought up the ending to the movie we're talking about, which is full name Laputa Castle in the Sky, but known as Castle in the Sky over here because. Apparently, La Puta in Spanish means, like, the whore or the bitch or something. Jesus! Holy you, oh, you, had, you know this? No! <laughs> Someone did not do their homework for localization. Jesus! Well, I guess Ghibli didn't in this case. So this, we're talking about, we'll just call it Cats in the Sky from this point. But this is, it is not the first uh, feature film to come from the main Studio Ghibli team, because they did Nausicaa before that. But it is the first... Uh, they did Nausicaa get some other studio, and then the success of that led them to start their own. And so this is the first officially under the Ghibli, like, roof film. And mm-hmm. I cannot imagine the kind of impact this had when it came out. Like, if people were hyped about Nausicaa, I'm sure they were like, I wish I could read Japanese so I could find, like, buy old magazines. People saying, like, keep an eye on this Miyazaki fella. He could make yeah. some more good stuff. And he was like, <laughs> He's got a idea. long career ahead of him. Not and wrong he, either. But, yeah. so, he, and... I'm kind of I'm a ashamed it's taking us this long to talk a Ghibli movie, honestly. That makes me sound like I'm ashamed of you as well. I apologize. But because <laughs> uh, we've talked so we've got a lot about anime and we were both huge cartoon nerds. And when it comes to like anime with worldwide appeal that you can show to people who don't give a shit about anime, there's it's the go to because it's often just that wonderful. Yeah. Um, and imaginative. Yes. And there are exceptions. Like, I showed this. I talked about showing stuff to my grandmother. This is the one anime movie I've shown her, and she loved it. But mm-hmm. I, and I, st- I still think I'll probably show her. My other two favorites that I've seen are Porco Rosso and Howl's Moving Castle. And I, I, think she would, I, think, I think she would like those. But, like, as much as I like Spirit Away, that movie's a little too trippy, I think, for some people to, like, latch onto immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are more rooted than others in Japanese traditions and customs. But... This, thankfully, uh, is a pretty universal story and type of themes. So here's the thing. Chris, I originally talked about how the ending of this is one of my favorite emotional moments in cartoons on our previous episode. And you hadn't seen it. But last year, you guest starred on Generation Animation to talk Howl's Moving Castle. And I remember they had just watched Kiki's Delivery Service. And they asked you, what do you think of that? And you said, until I recently saw Castle in the Sky, it was my favorite Ghibli movie. That's exactly right. Yeah. So. I like to think I take some of the credit for encouraging you to watch it. This is true, uh, but not all the credit because this was originally one of Rabbit's favorite um, Ghibli movies. And Good she taste, just, Serena. Good taste. She just happened to have it, and we were just like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And holy shit. <laughs> Do you <laughs> like, know if it's her favorite? Uh, look, or Rabbit, is uh, Castle Little Sky your favorite Ghibli, Ghibli. movie? Uh, one of them, yeah. She, yeah, one of them. So uh, I'll draw Consensus is universal or unanimous. Yeah. I gotta say, like, of all the, I keep saying Ghibli, but I know it's Ghibli. It's just the way I, it? it's the way I say it. Uh, I've always say Ghibli, but you know, whatever. Um, kind of back and forth, I flip flop. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to like uh, Ghibli movies, it's always uh, the the gigantic sprawling worlds that they create. They're so mystical and so mm. 
alien and also very welcoming at the yeah, same time. Yeah, there's still time. relatable aspects. Like, this movie, I really feel like uh, Miyazaki and his company, like, they must have gained some confidence after Nausicaa. And mm-hmm. we're like, we're going to go full hog with this. Because if I would sum up the world of this, it's a mix of, like, early 1900s Europe villages, but mm-hmm. also elements of steampunk and, like, sci-fi fantasy. And it's, like, in some of its technology, and especially the vehicles mm-hmm. and uh, the final city itself, Lapita. Yeah, I gotta say, like, even with the people itself, like in like in any any Ghibli movie, yeah, uh, like all the characters, they're I don't want to say they're they're fun and goofy, but there's a very appealing aspect to them all. Some of like, them are fun. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the pirates, the Dolan. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the pirates because oh, they yeah. are clearly my favorite. They're fucking awesome. But there's a scene where the main character is running with oh man, I forgot their names. I feel like Patunchita. Yeah, so uh, so they're running through the streets, and like his mentor like stops him, and, <laughs> and, and and like he starts having like this weird. Uh, we get a brawl of manliness, and at yeah, first it's bro, just who can flex their muscles the best. Manliness, like they start like beefing up their chests, and like oh man, yeah, it's the like boss Alex Louise flexes Armstrong so hard, too. his shirt shreds, and his wife to the side goes, you know, I'm not fixing that for you. <laughs> a lot of humor to this as well um, and then the fact when they finally just when it finally just escalates into a brawl it's very Popeye and Bluto-ish oh yeah like the dust cloud it, it doesn't surprise me because I, I googled because I also remember remember Porco Rosso he's watching like an old rubber hose cartoon well, in the, in the theater well, remember, I didn't, uh, remember I didn't see it until Porco Rosso so you got you oh know. we'll do it someday uh, that's not yeah. a spoiler it's a background guide but uh, apparently the Fleischer Brothers shorts were one of Miyazaki's big inspirations growing up oh nice so I'm sure this is kind of a tribute to that kind of over the top goofy fighting. It's nice. That's that's awesome. Okay. But yeah, so I don't know where obviously obviously if you'd listen to us we are going to spoil a lot of this including the end. It was kind of go around whatever and just pop over to what what we find see of note probably a bit nonlinear. Mm-hmm. Um I will say that this is not the movie's fault, but have you ever noticed how many Japanese media, be it anime or like RPGs, use the plot point of this girl's pendant, this girl's necklace unlocks the blah, blah, blah. Yep. The the, the standard girl's M- MacGuffin uh, um, the trope. It's. I wish this, oh, that no, wasn't. Like, I was kind of, I was kind of actually kind of expecting like, wait a minute, didn't this happen? Didn't like the, 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 the boy characters, like parents die or something and like, uh, or uh, like standard JRPG stuff. Well, his dad is dead, but it was more because I do like Patsu's motivation. It's because this idea is that in this world, uh, so Lapita, Castle in the Sky, basically the idea is it's, you know, what when you one of those movies where it's like there's a long lost ancient civilization with tremendous powers and, you know, technology beyond what we have now. Yeah. And they seem to die out. And they were so powerful that, like, they they couldn't just do airships. Their entire city, their kingdom was like a floating island that propelled itself. But yeah, it went yeah. missing. And the, uh, the it's it's inhabitants like fled and were hard to hard to find which is uh certainly a plot point as it goes on but the idea is that patsu's dad spotted it in a windstorm uh mm-hmm. once when he was traveling it took like an obscured photo of it but people thought he was crazy and he died considered you know uh, a loony and that's yeah. patsu's motivation he just wants to prove even ultimately to himself that his dad was genuine yeah he's not in it for glory he just is personal validation i'm sure there's people can find something relatable in that yeah, it kind of reminds me of the the um, this recent anime film called uh, Patima Inverted, which has a similar kind of concept. I haven't heard of that. It's uh, it came out like three or four years ago, 
it's really gorgeous. Uh, uh, but the the main character in that film is his motivations are really similar to Patsu's in that re- oh. in that regard. Would you recommend where, it? I I do recommend watching it actually. I'll like into it. There 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 are a lot of I can let you borrow it one day, but there there are a lot of it's. Well, we'll talk about it another time. <laughs> well, 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 what I'm trying to say is that the movie itself takes this weird. I don't want to say weird, but it takes this kind of neat approach of turning the world literally upside down and changing your perspective. Hmm. And the way that they do it, it it's a little disorienting at first, but as the movie goes on, you get really used to it. And it's actually, it's actually really impressive. Cool. But, uh, to talk more of the characters in this, I will say, yeah. I probably think the least interesting character is Sheeta, the female lead. She's certainly yeah. sympathetic because especially when you find out like she was just living a normal, she had been growing up with a normal farm life and now she was the only one tending to it. And then mm-hmm. the government being nasty, they just show up and take her because they track yeah. down her heritage. But she just, doesn't really have that many standout moments on her own. Typically, it's stuff that involves like, other characters kind of bouncing off her. There is a lot of her being kidnapped and being chased after. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, Batsu. Yeah, I, I kind of wish there was less of that. But, well, you know, she has a cool moment towards the end. We'll get to it. Yes, but yes, that's, yes. Oh no, then a few other moments. Like she, she adapts the pirate life so well. One of my favorite little jokes is when Dole is first giving the tutorial from like another room. All right, so look, if the weather gets bad, you have to talk to me on the phone. Immediately, the phone calls, and, and she, I mean, this phone. Mm-hmm. Yep, and she's really good at it. <laughs> yep, even the pirates, even the, even the sons are like, man, she looks good. Oh man, I want to talk about the pirates so bad. But before we do, can, I, I want to at least chat about fucking Mark Hamill, Muska. Muska. I like, told you he was great in this. I told yeah, you he, he really is. And I'm not. Ghibli films have always uh, have always been kind of hit or miss for me in terms of an actual villain. Like I, I really dug Ubaba and and No Face from from Spirited Away. Yeah, but after one or two scenes like they're quickly dispatched and well here's the like, thing Deep doesn't like i mean like, they typically don't like to do villains that are just straight up irredeemable monsters yeah they often turn that. even like that's the mononoke villains as well and even uh house yeah Muska, I've noticed that. no chance of that no no <laughs> he is and a it's, it's a gradual build-up like yeah because the idea is he's introduced early on he's just he's a government agent who is very you know well-versed and, and has researched a lot of Lapidian history. And you sort of get the sense that he's very, he's cocky, he's smarmy, and everything he says that's supposed to, that he's trying to, you know, be encouraging to Shita is so disingenuous. But you're still, the movie does not spill up to, we'll, we'll get to the end, but, like, when he lets loose, and I, and I realize Mark Hamill's great both as the smarmy and as when he gets full power-hungry, but he's doing the Joker laugh for the last 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> He really does. Not the high pitch part, but the low. <laughs> that was terrible. A superior being such as myself has only one option: burn them. Don't you agree, Princess Lucita? <laughs> and what I like about this particular Ghibli movie is that even though I know that Ghibli um, Ghibli villains they go about a change a change of heart towards the end of the film not there's up. always this weird kind of pacing issue where they just it just kind of happens and it was, it was my issue with uh with mononoke mm-hmm. where you know after you know after the, after the forest spirit is doing his thing everybody's like okay movie's over and i was now. like i was like okay um that's a problem a lot of people have with howls like oh the prince is back let's end the war yeah yeah it's not my favorite thing in the world but um here in castle of the sky 
even though Mark Hamill's playing a very hand-wringing, the mustache twirling, even though he doesn't have a mustache, kind of cliched villain, where you know he's very he, he's very focused on one particular goal, and he's going to get it no matter what, and there's no real impetus for him to change. It's still a very threatening and intimidating role, and he, his performance is amazing. Yeah, like, I told you by by the end when he you know double crosses the military, it's terrifying. Like yeah. you get a montage; it's, it's both the robots come to life and slaughter them all. He's still doing that laughter in the background. It's just holy shit. Yeah, and the way that the the way that he kind of just like slowly comes after <laughs> hologram. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Oh man, he's it's gone full very- Bond villain. It's very effective, I think. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more it, about the ending um, in a bit, but there's some other characters. Okay, really brief thing. Um, so, okay, Serena had seen this before, I'm guessing. Yes, she has. When you got to the villain's reduction and we got the only time Jim Cummings has ever been an anime character, did oh, you guys she, say anything? Oh, she definitely rolled her eyes. Okay. <laughs> he really fits this role, too, though. It's a very smaller one-note thing, but... It really, it really is, but it'll still... If my military tactics had been used to begin with, Dola wouldn't have had a chance to interfere with us at all. It was a military transmission that the pirates decoded. Huh? You've bungled things, sir, and now I must fix them. Like, the, the thing about this movie is that, uh, that I like so much about it is that... The characters are so I don't uh, they're so rounded to a point where you kind of under you kind of understand where they're coming from and the story kind of allows them space to move in that direction without rushing it towards the end. Yeah, the general serves his purpose and you do get the sense by the end he was in over his head without realizing it. Mm-hmm. They all were. Can we talk about the pirates now? Let's talk the go- the Dole game. Oh man, I love Dole game so fucking. <laughs> Aren't they much. awesome? Oh, man, they're so cool and goofy and stupid. I love them. Yep, through the whole movie, they're just... It doesn't feel out of place either. Like, when the moments it cuts back to them doing something funny, it still feels... I want to say, like, one of the things I love about the mo- this most in just terms of general structure... We'll get back to the little game. But this feels like a perfectly structured and paced, like, epic journey. It knows the right it moments does. to ramp up the action and give you crazy visual spectacle. But it also knows the right moments to take a breather. And you either... The characters learn more about each other or you get some amazing scenery to soak in. There, there are some, there are a couple throwaway scenes that I, um, um, that I could have done without, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to throw them away because there's one particular point <laughs> when the pirates are like, uh, they're going to bring the kids on their ship, and they're like, "Yeah, it's going to be a great time." And there's one pirate, <laughs> one pirate in particular, who's like, <laughs> he's just in one shot. And he goes for, and he pans from the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen, and he's like, "I wanted some of those chocolates." No, wait, they're little tiny, little tiny special chocolates that I'll never have, and you never see them again. <laughs> Sheena, can you make pudding? I love pudding. I get to lick the spatula, and I like chocolate cake with that. Oh, what's that frosting? It's kind of pink and swirly. Will you shut up? Nah, what can I tell you? They just really like dessert. One of my favorites is when, you know, they take Patsy the first time and one just on the side of the screen, Patsy Lashita. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) It is such... Oh, man. And props to Cloris Leachman, who voiced Dola. Oh, really? Wow, okay. She she is still alive and acting. She's in her 90s now. Yeah. 
So she was probably in like her late seventies during this, and she just goes for it. She knocked it out the park because I loved her. <laughs> I loved yeah, she's her. a wonderful choice for, uh, yeah. for this. The fact that and she's an older woman, but like you couldn't tell by the how way she acts and moves, and just so commanding. And they're also inviting too. Like you get the sense that yeah, they're in this war for their own reasons, but you can still kind of get behind them to well, some degree. That's the thing. The first <laughs> like actor, so they are like for the villains for the time being and in any other movie you feel like they would probably just be shoved into the background after a certain point but just another great point because you know Sheeta's captured and you know Pot just there's that, another quiet moment of him like slowly walking home like they just put some coins in his hand and say alright go anybody and he's just like crestfallen and it caught me off guard the first time I watched it he opens the door and they just pull him right in because they figure out where he is and, and Dola calls him out like you didn't stick up for her they gave you money and you took it and you got start to realize these guys have some more honor than we expected. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really kind of touching, honestly. And I like whew, I I like the discovery of the floating island itself where oh, Yeah. Like it's so the one I got to say that the the one thing I really dislike about modern day storytelling and filmmaking in general pet peeves is that you don't really have a lot of time to really take some take the take in your surroundings that's what i'm saying stop and breathe stop and smell the roses yeah 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 there's a, movie, there, there's a lot of movies that are doing that more nowadays like i just recently saw annihilation and that and that you get a sense that you know when when natalie portman walks into like this strange otherworldly kind of force that it's a whole nother world mm-hmm. and a lot of people are like, well, it's not action-packed. It's not fast, and it's very slow. And I'm like, the world doesn't always move slow. The more, yeah. I, I'm sorry, the world doesn't always move fast and explosive. Sometimes you have to get a sense of where you are, not even as a viewer, but as a person. I feel like and, that's something Ghibli still does, is just great establishing moments. Yeah. Uh, oh, that cute opening, because one of Patsu's jobs is to do like the morning bugle wake up. Yeah. Just this great little tune. You see these doves fly across, get this big shot of his hometown. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a scene, you know, like, because he's basically like the equivalent of a coal miner with these other, you know, down and dirty guys. Yeah. Just and it's very, it's, it's very, it's very simple. Uh, it's a very simple way of going about, like, introducing the world to the viewer. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's also a great way to introduce characters to new situations. And when or I concepts saw, even. Like, yeah, when I saw like the floating island, I was like, "This is this is what they were waiting for. This is what they've been fighting so hard for." And it and, lived up to it. And it lived up to it, and it's beautiful, but also kind of dangerous. But they also well, they, kind of it's only dangerous when other people show up to start manipulating again. Because mm-hmm. you get that like five or six minutes where they find the robot, and it's just a caretaker. It's got these yeah. animals. It's gardening, and they also realize like there were ones before it that shut down, and like they keep inheriting the roles of other robots. Yeah, and it's. It's so, it's so alien, but it's also kind of sad at the same time. There, there are a lot of emotions that, that you can glean from this one place because it's so, number one, it's so old. It's so far away. Yeah. It's so magical that you can't, and magical is not the right word for it, but it's, there's, a, there's an element of mysticism that kind of wants you to, kind of, it, it, it makes you want to, figure out more of it. And that's one of the staples of Ghibli's movies that I found so endearing is that these things are, let's be honest, a lot of shit that happens in Ghibli, they're weird as fuck. Oh yeah, <laughs> especially Spirit Away. That's why I was saying I wouldn't show it to everyone. 
Yeah. Or Mononoke as well. Well, you still want to find out more about these worlds. Like, yeah. even though they're, they're super strange and super, super foreign to everything that you kind of know. Holy shit, there's a forest with giant boars that were go- that call themselves gods? Yep. I don't want anything to do with that. But the way that the movie kind of brings you into that, it kind of shows you the beautiful this, side. The I do feel side. like of the, of the Ghibli movies that have imaginative worlds, this is still the most down. This is technically the most grounded one. It is. It definitely is. Even though there's a floating island in the sky, it's the most <laughs> grounded. But it's it's very low on stuff that makes you go, "Wait, what?" Yeah, it's very low on that. And if there is, Love. they typically explain it later. Yeah, it's it. it um, Castle in the Sky is probably the least offender of hits you with left field shit <laughs> in any yeah. Ghibli movie that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And it's. Man, it's it's really well balanced, and I, I like it a lot. It's my favorite one. Well, we still got time to talk about some more. Um, yeah. Let me just go through. If you want to have anything you want to say, because I have some notes, but are there any other topics you want to bring up? Well, there was one part where I felt like really fucking sad. <laughs> is it during the end, or is it? It's actually in the middle. It's oh, the a, robot. Yeah. Yeah, it was just I doing its duty. Yeah. He was, he was just doing his job, man. <laughs> it even took Sheeta too long to realize. Because, you know, she thinks he's going to laser it, but then he sticks out a palm. And you know that if he had a voice box, he'd be going, my lady. <laughs> it was a bit, like a very kind. And then it goes Iron Giant. He's carrying her for protection and just, you know, shooting all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's, oh man, it's very sad. Yeah, oh, she's oh, sad oh. for it by the time it dies. Like, yeah. And we are too. We've known it for like five minutes. But you, you watched me like, he wasn't really doing anything wrong. And it's such a giant precursor to like how things oh, are going to yeah. shape up. Like you know, this is a you know whatever secrets uh, are hidden within this world, they are powerful, they are ancient, but they're fading. And but they're still dangerous. They're they're still dangerous, but there's a sense that with 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 uh, with the with the military and Mark Hamill's character, Musa. they're only they, yeah uh, they're only in this thing. For the immediate now, they're only in this thing because they see it as a danger. They see it for profit. They see it for their own self-interest. And the, yeah, the pirates are want the treasure, and the military wants the treasure and the weapons. And Muska just wants the weapons and utter control. Yeah, but the power of the the power and the history of castle in the sky, the actual castle in the sky, and all the uh, and, and all the 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 uh, the ultra powerful technology and riches and and on other world and other worldly things that come with it like they're not going to last like even even in even the castle itself is like well she just speech at the end sums it up but we'll we'll get to the last act in a bit because i do want to go i told you like how much i love like this whole movie but you know you gotta love a movie that starts out great and just keeps getting better as it goes on it definitely does. And Exhibit yeah. A, Castle in the Sky. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to see. Okay, one other thing I thought was a little funny, just character design wise. Um, Dola's husband, who you see a little bit, yeah, uh, AKA Doctor Eggman. Mm-hmm. But I also realized they kind of recycle his design in Spirit Away for they the totally boiler do. spider person. They totally do. And it makes I, me wonder if there's some sort of uh, like old Japanese, you know, art like folklore character who looks like that. Oh. Oh, that's actually a good point. Yeah. But also, Sega could have just been inspired by them. Yeah, it could have been them, them just being like, hey, you know, remember Castle in the Sky, yeah, kid? Yeah. And it's also kind of uh, like how the Triforce in Zelda is actually 
some sort of sacred symbol in Japanese like folklore mm-hmm. history or culture. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. Star Fox inspired by some like sacred animals in culture. I actually did not know that. That's new to me. Yeah, look up some of Miyamoto's inspirations. Like he got the idea from Zelda for Zelda from exploring caves as a kid, mm-hmm. and he got the idea for Pikmin because he likes to garden. Yeah, uh, he was just like you know messing around in the garden one day, and he saw and, some ants. And, and not like, him, but the creator of Pokemon got the idea. He saw he imagined he saw the Game Boy Link cable and imagined a bug traveling across it, and it was like, well, how could people trade the bugs? Mm-hmm. But back to this movie. Um, yeah, I will say you talked about scenes that they could cut, and I. I have a big one, but at the same time, it's like when I think about it, it's unpleasant, but the actual delivery is so good. When the pirate sons are clearly have the hots for Sheeta. Yeah, yeah, that's mine. That's, <laughs> that's mine. I'm as like, well. Miyazaki, I, you're the last guy supposed to go into this territory. I, but they don't deliver it in a pervy, horrifying way. It's pretty freaking funny. I just wish they, they weren't clearly like a decade older. Yeah, the way that it's handled isn't done, isn't done in a way where it's like, you know. Yeah, oh, it could have been way worse. It's just, it's just modern, when you stop and think about it. Yeah, it's not done in a way where it's like modern day anime where it's like, we got to see the bullshit. Oh, shit. God, what do you want to bet there to do Dinshi about a, like a what if with that scene? I don't want to think about no, that. No, you don't actually. want to be done. <laughs> but, but I just, it's funny because like it's so, it is kind of cute how like one of them is like, oh man, I'm going to be the first. I'm going to, I'm going to make a good impression on her. And there's already like two brothers in there. And after he walks in, two others walk in. I love it. Oh wait, what are you doing here? And by the yeah, end, there's like six of them just crowded around. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those moments where like, yeah, you guys are all assholes. <laughs> they're lovable assholes. They, they are. Just keep your hands to yourself. They That's do. Fine. <laughs> they do. I'll give them credit. They don't, we don't get any weird approaches later on. If this movie was made today, I'm sure they would. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually pretty thankful for that. Cause an interesting thing no. you talked about, um, Oh no, you talked about her with the villains. This is actually with Ghibli fans. The casting of Patsu and Cheetah is kind of divisive. Uh, mm-hmm. so they were voiced by Patsu is James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek. Uh, Sheeta mm-hmm. was Anna Paquin rogue. Um, oh. I will admit I didn't like how she would have an accent every 20 minutes, then go back to just being American. I was uh-huh. like, either do it or don't. I thought their acting was fine. Here's the thing. Uh, if you watch the original Patsu and she, she has a higher pitched voice and Patsu is also voiced by a woman. Um, oh. they are meant to be like preteens, probably okay. 12 at most. But with mm-hmm. those voices, you're immediately like, no, these are teens. Yeah. And some people took offense with that. Cause like, that wasn't the intention. Mm-hmm. Which I can understand, I, but I haven't watched it in original. But here's the other thing, um, and you probably weren't aware of this, and I don't know which version you watched. There, depending on which version you watched, there are different soundtracks. Really? Now, was the one you listened to? Do you remember if it had like electronic sounding music or, a, or an orchestra? Uh, mine had an orchestra. Okay, yeah. See, do you know who Joe Hisaishi is? Yes, I do. Yeah. For those who don't know, he is. Ghibli's main music man, and mm-hmm. he's a wonderful composer. He's on other anime too. One of my favorites that I know you like is Robot Carnival. He did most of the music yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, so when this was this was early in the career, so he used you know the synth stuff that was big in, in the eighties everywhere, but also was easy for easier for lower budgets. And uh-huh. he switched to orchestrated uh, stuff like immediately after that. And apparently he kind of looked down on that with regret. So he pulled a George Lucas. And when this movie was originally localized by Disney, because came out the eighties Japan, but here it came out like the early two thousands, he went and totally re redid the score, like the same basic tunes, but with a full orchestra. Mm, and here's okay. the interesting thing. When I first saw it on DVD, it had the orchestra. Recently, I bought the Blu-ray because I was like, this is a wonderful looking movie. I'd love to see it in HD. For whatever reason, they put the synth score back in, even on the dub. Oh. And so oh. I immediately went, fuck this. And I'm not going to lie, I bit-torrented a version of the dub with uh, – <laughs> 
I, if I'm going to jail for it, I don't care. It was worth it. Uh, because <laughs> That's awesome. I think now we can talk about the last act. But I'm just going to say that last everything falling apart climactic scene. You know, there's that amazing choir in the background. Yeah. It cuts out halfway through in the original. I didn't know the that. music is not as big and the choir just stops and it's just the rumbling sounds for half a minute and it is nowhere near as impactful. Mm. And it's the best part of the movie. So that's my biggest reason. But also I do feel like if you have the synth stuff and more quirky small stuff anime from the eighties, that's fine. Robot Carnival is awesome, but it's quirky and it's it's kind of a cult film. This is yeah. Ghibli. This is premium and it just makes more sense to have something more professional sounding. Mm-hmm. So no, um, Yep, yeah, but I, I mean, I still, I, it is kind of fun, like, try, I just, that's what people, whichever version you've seen, try seeking out the other and just doing some personal comparisons. Yeah. Um, it's going to be kind of fun to do. And there, I think they also, another an issue people have with the orchestra version is, I think they, they besides the ending I talk about, they added music to some scenes where they originally didn't have any. Mm, okay. Which I'm sure that can be divisive. But okay, let's talk about that ending. Yeah. So, the last act of this movie from when they land on Laputa and actually the, the whole part where they're riding to him with like the clouds and those like dragon shaped lightning also fucking amazing um, everything in the pirate ship is great too but the, from when they land and you know the military invades to the ending is one of my favorite parts of any film yeah it is so legitimately intense and engaging and by the time you've gotten you're so invested in these 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 characters in this story already and shit hits the fan in a big way like yeah, bigger than even all characters but one could have imagined because I love the fact that like man by the end Muska was literally serving no one but himself because he has these two guys with him the whole movie those tuxedo and top and bowler hat guys yeah and like he has like okay come off with me and so you're okay so you're, you're starting to see the, the general even has a line like oh Colonel Muska shows his true colors at last but halfway to the you know inner chamber he has cheated in the two guys and he tells them wait here and then later when he unleashes everything you see them fall to the abyss yeah like he told no one about this and i love oh man it's another chilling part when you know he goes to the core and pulls out that he sees the plaque that controls everything and start, he starts reading this and there's this quiet part like she just just standing really quietly he just she just goes who are you muska mm-hmm. like she's finally piecing to get it's come off it's like there's something he's high from everyone and then he drops the bombshell yeah i'm also a descendant of the ancestors i also yeah. control this and woof yeah yeah it's heavy stuff it's like, really he, it's, it's it becomes chilling like he's he's like he calls the all the military guys and demonstrates power and basically does the equivalent of a nuke yeah like into the does. ocean and you realize they can just do as many of these as he want and then he unleashes the robots and slaughters them mm-hmm. combined with mark hamill's maniacal laughter uh also in this climax I, it stuck out to me he decks sheeta like hard twice yeah, he does. like mm-hmm. it, it's animated way like he put force into that like this guy yeah. is if you were convinced this guy is an utter bastard here yeah um, and another thing I love is on the side, Patsu is, you know, he's separating. It's like for most climax, he is on his own uh, encountering a bunch of this. There are so many points where he comes close to falling to his death. Mm-hmm. And every time he was like, oh, ah, ah. I, I um, felt that too. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. maybe oh when he's on the vine and it starts to fall off and he has to jump like shit. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, oh, what's the other part? Oh, I did notice. I don't know if you noticed this. In one of the last parts, when he finally gets into the interior, there's just one shot of him like vertically climbing all these things, and the camera goes pans with him. And it's like one of the, the best animated character shot in the whole movie. Mm. Like I want to make a gif of it. It looks tremendous. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if they knew. Like, I wonder if the staff knew. Like everybody's going to be super invested by this point. Let's pull out all the stops. Mm-hmm. And another thing I noticed: this kind of inverts 
the the ramp like the escalation of a lot of movie climaxes because the final showdown becomes a lot more subdued when you get to the point where it's just Patsu, Shida, and uh, Muska. There's next to no music and it's all dialogue, and so we get the point where so we, we don't mention the you know the necklace pendant. It's kind of it's basically like the ignition key to all of this thing. The main crystal won't work if you're if they're not holding it in their hand. Yeah, and she manages to grab it and get decked, but she runs away and. And Musa's still being creepy. He's just walking at her and doing that laugh because he's pointing out to you, what do you think you're doing? There's nowhere to run. Yeah. I'm going to catch up to you eventually. So event, but so what happens is, uh, so the pirates do get away. I think uh, Pazu gives them some stuff to escape. And so he gets to, so we talk, this is the part we talked about where, so Musa starts shooting at her, at, at Cheetah, and she shoots off both her uh, pigtails first, mm-hmm. um, which Dolo is very sad about by the end. And then he goes, your ears are next unless you get on your knees and obey me. Like, just mm-hmm. being a real creep. Because he also says, like, you better get used to me. We're going to be staying together for a long time. Which I was like, yeah. is he going to repopulate the Lapidum bloodline with her? Yeah. That would, that's intentionally creepy. Yeah. He, um, he had some plans. Thankfully, he did not get that far. But so Cheetah delivers that. This is where, like, she drives the moral of all this home. Because, like, preface, it's well known by now. Miyazaki is a super pacifist environmentalist. And this yeah. These are constant themes in a lot of it. That's Mononoke. Uh, that's that's the um, the part in Spirit Away with the the, the slimy monster because it's pollution. Uh-huh. Like a lot of a lot of stuff like that. Oh, and and uh, uh, House Movie Castle talking about how stupid the war is. And and the wind rises because people when that was announced were like, "What? He's going to glorify the guy who made the planes?" He's like, "No, it's because the guy didn't like that he was for war." <laughs> but she delivers that speech. She talks about this old poem in the Lapio. It's kind of like, "Now I understand why the people of Laputa vanished." There is a song from my home in the Valley of Gondwa that explains everything. It says, Take root in the ground, live in harmony with the wind, plant your seeds in the winter, and rejoice with the birds in the coming of spring. No matter how many weapons you have, no matter how great your technology might be, the world cannot live without love. It's, 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 you know, it's just a big warning. Like, don't get so caught up in your power. Don't get so caught up in destructive power-hungry tendencies because it'll destroy you. And, yeah. of course, that's when Muska shows he's not swaying. He's been saying, like, I'm going to revive Lapita. He, says, he has a great line, like, this Lapita is the dream of all mankind. Like, this is everything to him, but in the worst way. Yeah. And then Pasu shows up, and we get the big thing where... Because this is... It was it was a kind of Chekhov's gun, because earlier, Shita had mentioned some of the spells she was taught by her grandmother. Like, there are verbal commands... Yeah, Lapikina could say, and one of them was the spell of destruction, mm-hmm. which would cause everything in the vicinity to fall apart. Yeah, and it's I, and it's pretty sad. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like this is so, you know, Patu like, gets like, I have this jewel. Give me one minute with Cheetah, and then you can have it. Uh, and Muska has fatal mistake is letting that happen. And Patu says, "I right, have it. Listen, whisper the spell to me, and we'll say it together. We'll hold the crystal." Dolo got away. Don't worry about the pirates. And she starts tearing up. This is what I'm talking about. Like, they are well aware this is cer- almost certainly going to kill them. Yeah. And this is what, you know, get that music kicks in. And you see, going to start to be confused at first. Like, what are they doing? And then they say it. And wow. Yeah. And they don't want it to happen. But, you know, it's their last resort. And, and it is the only... They, they don't stand a chance against Muska just on their own. He's, whole, he's, yeah. he's the one pointing a gun at them. And, yeah, that sad but epic choral music. Oh, man, Muska's defeat is so satisfying. Where first he's blinded by the light. Mm-hmm. And his last part is just this sad blobbing one around. And, you know, Mark Hamill screeching, my eyes! 
eyes. I can't see. <laughs> then you realize I like, laughed so hard at that. Actually, <laughs> oh, it's so, it's so satisfying though. I was like, ah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yep. And then his last shot where he realized he, he like he fell off or he got crushed by some debris. Like he just kind of like you know going off him going no, like falling to his death. Uh, mm-hmm. Totally got what he deserved. And yeah, but you also see you see the robots getting you know pummeled. Which yes, he was pr- demanding them to destroy the army airship earlier. But still, we know these guys were by nature good guys. But this kind of had to happen. And this is what I talked about. Even after that, like I was the first time I saw this, I was sobbing because I legit thought Patsu and Shida had died. Mm. And now what it shows is they actually wake up caught in the roots of the of the kingdom because still you know there's a big tree at center. Yeah. They're able to find the glider that came in on an escape. And there's another just – this is less sad and more bittersweet where, like, just – there's no dialogue for, like, a minute. It's just alternating back and forth between Patsu and she just staring at the kingdom going away because it starts mm-hmm. to automatically rise so high nobody nobody will ever be, ever be able to reach it again. Yeah. And just this solemn look, Patsu, you know, he's going through his eyes, like, you know, go through his mind, like, that's it. Yeah. But I did it. I proved it to myself. And, and then, you know, they get the goal of the game back, and they were able to nab some treasure. <laughs> So yeah. you get the sense that they're all going to be pretty well off. And only one complaint is that it ends there. And I would have loved to see what Patsu and Chita did afterward. But they did kind of spell out earlier. Um, they said Patsu can probably never go back to his hometown. Uh, but because, you know, the military is aware of him. But they could they can find another spot to settle down and raise that farm together. Yeah. Um, like Chita was originally doing. Mm-hmm. So it was a happy ending for them and the world. And, of course, you see, you see at the end that caretaker robot gets to keep his animals. Yeah. <laughs> and then that last long credit, the entire credit is just that painting of Ilapada and like the stratosphere. Yeah. And the Sunday goes on that beautiful song. What a film. What yeah. a film. There, there are so many things about Castle in the Sky that on uh, every Ghibli movie has these things uh, that um, that Castle in the Sky has. And, and to some degree is better, but I think Castle in the Sky makes them merge best and it's just it does it so consistently like it just keeps throwing one wonderful thing at you after another yeah we didn't even touch on a lot of the funny parts um like some of the wordplay early on like when the when the sons are trying to look professional like go tell your mother she's in disguise oh so she's in disguise go tell my mother (laughs) yeah such dummies it's it's such a good film or other like smaller characters from the start like that kind of dopey train conductor like oh the army's here oh Uh, i miss that guy yeah or my my favorite uh uncle palm that old miner who just you get the sense he he spends his whole life wandering the mines and he's so in tune with how everything down there works and that amazing Mm -hmm. scene where he talks about like you know showing how the light the rocks light up and talking about the powers of the crystal it's and he's like he's so sensitive to it that he's like you put that um, that crystal away it's too strong for me like you know what i actually thought that scene was really sad and i felt really and i and i felt a certain way about that cuz i was like th- that's obviously like the cool down point from you know the train from the train sequence and how hectic and crazy yeah, that yeah to was. the military base stuff yeah and it's giving you a sense it's giving you a chance to really take in what's happening and what else could happen in this movie right but seeing that See that poor old man just go, I, it's too strong for me. I'm like, God damn it. He's not always like that. It's just, he doesn't, he, I think he says like he's never seen something like that. It's not like he spent his whole life going, these rocks are too strong, but it just no, shows no, no, how. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that just when he said that, just when he was like, it's just, you know. Yeah, it was much. some good at voice acting. And apparently his actor died a few years ago. Yeah, well, that's that's even more sad. <laughs> I hope Horst Leachman can stick around for another 10 years or so. Who knows? Yeah. I literally just read an article. I was Googling her. Apparently, she's still kind of a party animal at celebrity parties. Ah. 
<laughs> that awesome. I also what? read one of her more recent movies was The Oogie Loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't look at that trailer. It's it's a clusterfuck. And it was a horrible movie. But she said, uh, yeah, I'm at a point where if they just offer me a role, I'll take it. Ah, cool. Uh, I mean, I she's guess, got carte blanche at this point. I guess she's happy to do it. She's happy no, to work. I, I, yeah, I, I that, can't pro- fault her for that. Yeah, but that scene with the old man was just like, something about it like really connected with me. I was like, no! No, I think it's another just, cool part of world building, like showing yeah. how certain people can, like, you know, how the nature elements of this work in terms of rock and crystal and how, how like, certain people can be so, you know, invested in them. Yeah. Such a cool little con- – I wouldn't have minded more scenes with that guy, honestly, but we have to leave the town people behind after the first act. Yeah, same. Uh, it was it was a good film. Really was, good. I dare say it's a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. If it's your favorite Ghibli film, I hope you would say it's more than good. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm 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 I, I'm kind of overwhelmed with emotion right now. Okay, I'm okay. Where it's like, um, as you can tell, I'm struggling to find the words to actually, you know, to define this correctly because yeah. I, I like it so much. I also have a habit of uh, I have a habit of trying to play down my excitement too because I realize that when other people watch a film, they may not feel the same things that I feel. So I don't want to say that this is completely we amazing. To, we need to someday do a Roger Rabbit episode because you said that's your favorite movie. It is my favorite. movie. I feel like that would be an episode where you had to you get to let loose like like I did with Iron Giant. Yeah, but I mean, at least I can you know back it up with a, you know a few more you know objective facts about the film itself. Yeah, I guess you probably don't know as much about this as you do Roger Rabbit. Yeah, but when I when I look at Castle in the Sky, I mean, it hit me on like. It hit me in the feels in a lot of ways. It really does. It's a powerful film. It's a funny film. It's exciting. It's a, it's emotional. It's thought provoking. It's imaginative. This is this kind of takes the box of everything you want from a Ghibli movie, at least in my book. Yeah, I think so too. And like, like I said, I was saying earlier, I would love to see like some translations. Like, what was the initial reaction in Japan like when this first came out? Mm-hmm. Like this must have been one of those I, cases where like we've had directors over here, uh, both animated and live action, who like we people like their first one, and then they do something else that just knocks them out, knocks out of the park in terms of yeah. people's love for it. And I'm wondering, this was when people were like, I I hope this Miyazaki fellow is here to stay, and thankfully I he really, has been. Yeah, after watching this, it really made me sit down and watch Nausicaa of the Blue Wind, which I haven't seen either. I have actually, yeah, I I I got people upset at me when I say I haven't seen Nausicaa, I haven't seen Kiki's, which I now know is your second favorite. Um, I haven't seen Totoro, mm-hmm. uh, and I haven't seen Ponyo. Yeah, I, I've heard I, mixed I've, more mixed things about Ponyo, but I still want to watch it. Yeah, I've heard mixed things about Ponyo as well. I actually saw it in theaters, and I had a good time. I get the sense it's, it's more targeted at kids than most of his work. Well, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, no. I also think that the narrative isn't quite as clear as it could have been. Yeah, well, maybe I'm sure. You know, I'm willing to bet we'll talk more Ghibli films another day. Oh, I'm sure. I, I definitely, I'm definitely sure we will. It'll be fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, because uh, I've have you seen any of the uh, the the Ghibli films that he didn't direct? Because I've seen two. Mm, I haven't actually. I saw Secret World of Arietti. Oh, I did see that one actually. He just wrote that. That was good. Yeah. Uh, but I also saw uh, Whisper of the Heart. I did not see that one. That one I think is legit fantastic. And I will give one criticism that it didn't – it's one of those that didn't really need to be animated save a few fantasy sequences. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Ghibli's artistry is so great that, you know, it's hard to complain. Yeah. But the tragic thing is that it was directed by this one guy who – I think he did one other movie or something. And apparently he was being, like, seen uh, by – uh, Miyazaki as this guy is going to be the heir. Like after I retire or die, he's going to be head. And then that guy died of exhaustion in his forties. Damn it! Like, we were talking about Sakurai earlier. Exhaustion? They think, yeah, 
Wow. Though for my money, nothing is more tragic than Satoshi Kon dying. Yeah, that's that was that was a bad. We're going to talk. I I I met that, that guy. A, that was a big loss to the anime community. I still want to see his. Uh, oh, the, we'll talk to them someday. Uh, yeah. Almost all of his stuff I think is phenomenal. And I still I still want to see the movie that he was actually uh, that he was working on before he passed. What was I it hope that some comes out someday. I would love to yeah. see. It sounded so cool. Yeah. Um, just the idea of seeing one more new Satoshi Kon movie. And I met him. Um, like a decade ago, when Paprika was first coming out, they did an early street subtitle screening at some DC museum, and uh-huh. he was there for a Q&A, and I got to ask him about you know doing a TV show like Paranoia Agent. That's how I discovered him when they played on Adult Swim. Uh-huh. And what such a suave guy, too. Like, not many Japanese men you see pulling off a full goatee and ponytail, but he did it. What are you saying? Uh, uh, oh, I had asked him if he would ever be encouraged to do a show again because I thought it was fantastic. And he explained the reason he was motivated to make Paranoia Agent, the reason why it was so many individual stories combined, was... He had a bunch of ideas that he never made to films, and he wanted to make a connective tissue to them. And mm-hmm. so he said, give me another decade or so, and if I have enough ideas, I'll probably try and make another. But, Damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were robbed. We were all robbed. <laughs> we'll talk Satoshi Khan another day, but at least Miyazaki is – still I'm around. that guy will outlive us all, honestly. So, so there's this um, – like on Twitter, there was like a whole bunch of these, these Miyazaki stories. Mm-hmm. about uh things that go oh, that went on in at studio ghibli like there was one story about how this one anime kept coming in late and uh i think either miyazaki or another artist drew a picture of that artist getting fired and that oh. animator was like sweating bullets and like sat on his sat at his desk and just worked the entire day and was like super fucking scared um but there's one one particular story where Miyazaki uh, and it's probably like exchanged mouths. It's probably the mm-hmm. truth is probably much the much further than this story. But the story goes is that there is a fire like a couple blocks away from Studio Ghibli, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see, Miyazaki uh, gets wind of it later, and he he manages to get a, get a good view of the fire at some point. And then he's like, I wish Studio Ghibli would catch on fire or, or something what? really crazy to that. <laughs> Why the fuck would he want that? I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, the, the, he the, is the, not the, tired. Clearly, the, the truth is probably the, the truth is probably much further away. I, from I know there's still bitterness story. in some aspects. Like I've read like he's convinced that mankind is like short time doomed. I think he has a very oh. cynical worldview. Oh, totally. Like, isn't he like a like a. Uh, um, like a war child or something i don't know about his i don't know much about his like childhood upbringing so i'd have to check that i will say this because this has been a meme that that gif of him saying anime is was a mistake it's nothing but trash Mm -hmm. that is not real no i know yeah but not everybody knows that people think that's a real thing he said no that was from some documentary about him somebody made up that subtitle miyazaki never said that at least in public yeah, he's talking about like the otaku. Uh, he is very that, critical right? of that, uh, yeah. and good on him because you know I certainly am as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think he's gone so far as to say anime I, in general was a mistake. Yeah, I think uh, I think he has. I think he's certain, more just looking at everybody and saying you can do better. Yeah, I think he has certain grievances with if anybody uh, has the right to say that it's him. Yeah, I, th- I think he has certain grievances with the uh, with the anime industry as a whole. I mean, mm-hmm. if anyone's going to, it might as well be well, him. I, and I talked about how critical Brad Bird has been of for decades, like anime Western animation, saying you could do better, and he's right. Yeah, totally. It's often now, the best guys who are the most outspoken. Mm-hmm. No, wow. Apparently, he what? Let's see. Um, 
I'm trying to. I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, but yeah, it looks like he was a war child. It was like during, looking at his looking at the wiki page um, page right now. When he was three years old, his family was evacuated to Utsa Utsa Numaya after the bombing of Utsa Numaya in July 1945. Mm. Wow! Oh, that's the tail end of the war too. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Kind of reminds me of how of you know about Barefoot Gen. Who? The 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 anime and manga Barefoot Gen. Oh, oh, I've heard of that, but I don't oh, know. Oh man, I'll just yeah. I don't think we're ever going to talk about it, but it was written by a guy who actually was in the middle of and miraculously survived Hiroshima. Jesus. And so he made it his mission to devote, you know, publicize like never again. And so both the manga and anime devote a whole scene to watching people like melting when the bomb hits. God. It's one of the glorious, oh, most disturbing actually, things. I did see that. Never mind. I did see I, I saw that. That's a that's a really famous uh, um, sequence, too. Yeah. Oh, it's on YouTube, isolated. I don't recommend watching it if you want to sleep well. Yeah. It's, 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 Jesus, it's horrifying. Probably yeah, the best way to show, hey, don't use nukes. Yeah. Don't use this. Like, a lot of people are like, <laughs> a lot of people are like, yeah, war is a great thing. I'm like, maybe no. we should listen to people who actually went through war. <laughs> who yeah. are actually children My, of war. <laughs> on a personal note, um, I talked about Mimi a lot. My grandma, she had a brother who fought in World War II and lost his life to a kamikaze pilot. Wow. That's yeah. insane. Thankfully, she's not the type to hold a grudge. Cool. Uh, though crazy, crazy uh, side story about that, because my grandfather, her husband, did serve there as a flight surgeon because he was a doctor in life. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, a couple like a year or two ago, she was going through their attic because he died years ago. She found a Japanese skull. Uh-huh. Uh, the jawbone was missing, but I think she was able to take it to some analyst to figure out it was a Japanese skull. And she thinks my grandfather, somebody else, kept it as a trophy. Wow. She actually, she got it sent somewhere like to a Japanese NBC or something. She was like, give it a proper, you know, the proper respects. Wow. Yeah. That's, heavy. That's a badass story. Jesus. Badass grandma. Yeah. No, wow. if anybody's a badass grandma, it's Dola. Uh-huh. So, but I think we can probably bring things to a close on that note. Yeah. What a wow. story, Mark. Um, many, many stories. Jesus. What a right. sto- what a performance, Mark Hamill! Ha, ha, ha. He <laughs> is right, fucking then. phenomenal. I've got to say, Mark Hamill is legit like one of my favorite people. If you look at his yeah. Twitter, he is such a good-hearted guy, and like this is not me just saying like, oh, he was, he was Luke Skywalker. He's one of the best voice actors around. He really is. It's amazing like, how much range and passion he can put into his performances. Yeah, like even yeah. when he's in shitty stuff, like Rhapsody, he doesn't have asset. <laughs> he he's a very caring guy. Like, yeah, all around. Yeah. Um, and I will – oh, one, one little shout-out to Mark Hamill. I don't think he's ever going to listen to this. Um, a few months ago, I tweeted – there was a great Justice League action short on YouTube uh-huh. where – because he's back playing Joker in that as well as Trickster, a Flash villain, and Swamp Thing. But it's a short – did you see it where Joker and Trickster kidnap Mark Hamill, the person? I did not see So that. they kidnap him there in a car, but then he he tricks them his way out of it. He imitates each of their voices to think and think they're arguing. Uh- and then he's saved by Swamp Thing, the guy he voices. And so I tweeted it, mentioning him and saying, what a great meta joke. And then the next day I got on uh, Twitter notifications. You got a like from at Hamill himself. And I lost my shit. <laughs> That's Thanks, Mark. Cool. Thanks, Mark. You're a legit f- awesome guy. Um, Congrats so, on the like. What? Congrats on the like. Yeah, that's probably the, the like I flipped out the most about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. But uh, so this will draw our big episode 25 to a close. And I think we pulled it off with flying colors. 
Yep. Had a lot of fun uh, talk about all three things that are two awesome things and one thing that we're pretty sure will be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we we both certainly highly recommend Cast in the Sky. I guess yep. cautiously recommend Devil May Cry Baby because it's not for everyone, but I say at least watch the first episode. And we will be talking more about Smash in the future. I'm very sure of that. But, oh, 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 no, no, this is going to be the footnote because I mentioned to you, I told you we were going to bring it back to Rabbids somehow. So you know how the plot of My Rabbit's Kingdom Battle is that Rabbit gets fused with a fusing device, and he's yeah. a little meek one fusing stuff together? Yeah. His visor is very interestingly shaped, and somebody tweeted to the Ubisoft art director for that game, was that visor shape inspired by the robots from Lapida? And they immediately went, yep. Ah, Miyazaki cool. is so influential, he influenced the Rabbids. Neat. Well, that's nice. Cool. The rabbits are cultured. They're they are animals of wonderful taste. And let's 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 not let's let's not go too far. Let's, let's okay. Let's read that back. But <laughs> now, uh, but we should also announce what we're going to be doing for I guess the next two episodes because I've had a fun little idea, and I, I'll I'll say you were you were kind of I think the idea had been been for me to start it with episode twenty seven and you start with episode twenty eight. But you you had had some trouble uh, coming up with stuff for the next pick, so we bumped your pick up ahead. Yeah. So we're gonna. Uh, well, well, let me just do the concept because I think I brought up in the past when I like mentioned stuff on the side, especially shows like, like shows like Mission Hill that like nobody heard of. Like, I, I, if you're into media, you're bound to fall in love and hold in high regard stuff that never caught on, like mm-hmm. stuff that got canceled early on, stuff that has not had a big following, foreign stuff that very few people know of. And I told Chris, let's each pick a thing. So I'll, I'll, um, and Chris, you pick something you mentioned briefly on the Sonic episode. I don't know if you remember. Because uh, we talked about TMS. So what what are, movie will we be talking about for episode 26? We will be talking about the long-fabled animated movie, Little Nemo and Slumberland. Adventures in Slumberland. Was it Adventures movie... in Slumberland? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, maybe. I, maybe I'm the wrong Little one. Little Nemo, Adventures in Slumberland. Yes, with a movie which uh, I have a lot of good things to say about, but I will say I think the story about making it is more fascinating than the actual plot. Uh, I have many things to say about Yes, I, we both will, because here's the thing. This movie is legally available for free on YouTube. Yeah. I, I, I told Chris before the show. He didn't know, because he has the DVD. But yeah, if you go, if you Google Little Nemo, it'll be one of the first results. Look for TMS. It is completely legal, 720p, so you have no excuse not to watch it. Yeah. Granted, if you don't like it, turn it off. That's your choice. But I'm just saying, <laughs> go check it out, especially because you know, this is not a... It, Go ahead. It's not so. It's not horrible. No, I, I, it's and it's fucking beautiful. Oh, it has we're, we're, we'll, I think we'll say a lot of things about it. I'm very. I, I think it's going to be a fun one to talk about. Yeah. Um, and my pick, I think it's going to be even more obscure because it's something that I think was big in its native Europe, uh, but barely got a shot here, and I discovered it by chance. We are going to be talking the French TV cartoon, and uh, I'll be talking the movie associated with it. But you don't have to watch it. Dragon Hunters, also known as Chasteurs des Dragons. I don't even know, I don't know if I said that first word right. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, I don't blame you. But if you look, you'll be able to find some of it on sites. Uh, I will say, avoid the second season for your first exposure. I will get into why eventually. Right. But uh, so that brings us episode 25 to an end. Looking forward to talking both obscure stuff, and I'm sure our opening stuff will have some, some things people are more aware of. But I am John Flurry. And I'm Christopher Wade. And Patsy loves Sheeta. Patsy loves Sheeta. And Dolan's me like, shut up. Patsy loves Sheeta. Be quiet.